0: Hello. When did you guys get here? Must be that time. Sometimes time gets away from me. I've never really understood that phrase, as if time was something we could hold on to to begin with. But I should introduce myself, because that's what one does in situations like this. I am the storyteller. Hold your applause. My story, I mean, my name means what it means. I tell stories, stories that matter. Today, I want to tell you a story, or at least begin to tell you a story. I hesitate to call it that, but that's what we've called it, the Christmas story. It is more than just a story, though. It doesn't belong in the category of fairy tales. No, it's much more than that. It's more than just tradition. It's much more than that. This epic tale, this story, this event, it changed everything. It's the most important thing to ever happen anywhere. It changed the course of human history. It changed the course of the earth itself. It changed the lives of billions upon billions upon billions. And not just that, But it really transcends human history all together because it transcends time. This story goes back to the very beginning and before and to the very end and beyond. And at its core, this is a story of redemption, of love, of grace. It's... A story, a love story about a prince who leaves his castle to go win back his bride. It's an adventure story uh, about a hero who crosses into enemy territory to, to free the captives enslaved in darkness there. This epic tale, it's of the deepest kind of love, love that sacrifices all, gives all, shuns all for those that don't even deserve it to begin with. And at the center of this story is a baby, but more than a baby, a man, but more than a man, much more, a a hero, but but more than a hero even, a God. But unlike any God you've ever heard of in any other religion, gods of wrath alone, gods of stone, gods far away, no, no. The one at the center of this story is much more than any of that. He's wonderful, counselor, savior, everlasting. He he came into nothing with nothing and changed everything. He came into the darkness and brought the light. He came to those who were starving and brought bread that could never run out. He came to the guilty and offered himself for their punishment. He... Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself here. My boss was very clear that although I know this story by heart, I should tell it to you in the correct way and make sure that it's right. And since he's the master storyteller and not me, I do what he says. But a story like this, so epic, it takes more than one telling to convey, more than one vantage point to fully understand. You see, our story doesn't begin with that baby that's more than a baby. No, it goes, it begins much earlier than that. You see, every other story is connected to this story. Every other story whispers his name. From your perspective, everything before him points to him. And so, I'll tell you this story from four different vantage points. The vantage point of the prophets, the shepherds, those called the wise men, and the angels. I won't tell you all four today, otherwise you'd miss lunch, and that's not good for anyone. I'll start with the vantage point of the prophets. You see... A story this far-reaching, it begins in the beginning, the very beginning. I think it was Augustine who said that to be temporary and finite in here and in this moment only is like having your face pinned up against a stained-glass window. You may be able to see some colors and some jagged edges, but you'll miss out on all that the artist had intended you to see. Our story is like that. To look at it in one moment from one vantage point is to lose the enormity of it all. And so, our story begins like this. Our world didn't just happen on its own. There was no big bang that randomly or accidentally brought the universe into existence. Everything that is was created by this loving and sovereign God who existed eternally in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three but one, one but three. He existed before everything and will exist eternally after it. And this loving and sovereign God spoke it all into being. There was nothing before, but from that nothing, he expertly, powerfully, and carefully brought forth everything. The big and the small, light, the sun, the moon, planets whirling around stars through solar systems, solar systems spinning around galaxies. The molecules that make up everything we see, protons and neutrons. The earth, the sea, the dry land, animals, plants, he spoke it all into existence. And after he had created this home, he carefully crafted us. Our first grandfather, he didn't just speak him into existence. He used his hands to mold him and form his physical side. Then this loving and sovereign God breathed life into our first grandfather, giving him more than just a physical side, but a spirit or a soul as well. And he called this first man Adam. Soon after, this loving and sovereign God carefully formed our first grandmother out of Adam and called her Eve. And he placed Adam and Eve into the garden called Eden for them to enjoy life in fellowship with him. And it was wonderful, perfect even. There was joy and fulfillment and no tears or fears. But our story takes a turn at this point because the great deceiver called Satan, who had chosen himself over his creator long before, another story for another time, He came into this perfection and he deceived Adam and Eve. He enticed them to take his path, a path that he promised would give them knowledge and long life, but was instead a path of selfishness and rebellion that would give them only pain and death. And because of their rebellion, something called sin entered The perfect creation of this loving and sovereign God. And he, eternally existent in three persons, had to expel our first grandparents called Adam and Eve from the garden called Eden. And from that day on, this thing called sin has been in the heart of every man and woman born. It has slowly degraded the perfect creation of this loving and sovereign God. It has caused pain and death and the breaking of mankind's relationship with its creator. Every good story has an antagonist, right? An enemy to the hero, the evil battling the good. Ours is this Satan the first to wield sin against the plans of this loving and sovereign God. It's the part of every story when you wince, when you hold your breath, when you put your mouth over your or your hand over your mouth and say things like, oh no. It's when the hope of a good story looks to be snuffed out like a candle in a dark room. The potential darkness looms large. You wonder how this could possibly end in, an, in a happily ever after. You fear the darkness winning against the light. What will this loving and sovereign God do? How could he possibly fix this? Who will rise up to save these people from pain and death? But the story doesn't end there. Far from it. Not even close. Because it's at this exact moment when things look bleak. When our first grandparents are being expelled from the garden called Eden, that we are given our first mention of that baby who's more than a baby, that man that's more than a man. Like a seed of hope, like a glimmer of light so faint that you're not sure you actually saw it. There is this promise of hope, this prophecy to hold on to, this loving and sovereign God says to our first grandparents in this moment of darkness that things will not be easy. There will be consequences, far-reaching, devastating consequences for their sin. But this will not be a one-sided battle. This story is not over yet. He said this to the serpent, The great deceiver called Satan. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He shall crush your head, and you will strike his heel. A covenant was established, a promise a flame to carry. Someone will come. Someone will be born who will defeat our enemy. He may strike the heel of mankind. He may cause pain untold, but he will not win. There will be a man who's different more than a man, much more. And it is he who will crush the head of the serpent that plagues your children. From this day forward, our story became one of longing, yearning, groaning, longing in the heart of this loving and sovereign God, yearning woven into the very cells of every human being born from that day forward, yearning for freedom, yearning for the end to a long imprisonment, yearning for that garden called Eden and the fellowship once enjoyed there. And not just God and humankind, but the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth, groaning for the hero of our story to win the day and bring freedom. So every person born from this point in our story to today has had sin pulling them in one direction and this longing for Eden pulling them in another Many, but really most, of Adam and Eve's descendants, beloved by their creator, chose darkness and death over light and life. Murder was created, hate, overwhelmed love, wickedness and evil won the day. To the point that our loving and sovereign God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he sent a flood to destroy all of mankind for their wickedness. But before that, he found a man, a flame-bearer. Not the man that our story centers around, but one whose life would point to that man. This man was called Noah. And he told Noah, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. So it was that the promise, the prophecy, the hope passed on to Noah. The one that would crush the head of the serpent, Satan, would come from his descendants. Many years passed and many more things happened. Stories that all fed into this one story I'm telling you. I don't have time to tell them all this morning. But just know that darkness seemed to win. Sin seemed to keep winning even after the flood. And 400 years later, the covenant, the, the hope of the promise, the, the prophecy was passed down to yet another man. Another man whose life would point to, to the, the one that this story is all about. Out of all of the peoples of the earth, that loving and sovereign God who spoke everything into existence in the beginning, chose to establish his own people, his own nation, in a man called Abraham. Another flame bearer, another carrier of the promise of the prophecy, and God told Abraham, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. All nations of the earth. One day, the hero of our story would come from Abraham's line of descendants. To defeat the serpent called Satan and his weapon called sin. Well, Abraham's son had sons. And his loving, this loving and sovereign God was gracious to them. There were stories where sin and darkness won. But others that kept pointing to this hero that would one day come. One called Jacob being visited by an angel. One called Joseph being told or being sold into Egypt so that Abraham's family would survive a famine that would have stopped our story from progressing. Stories that all fed into this big story that I'm telling you today. And Abraham's descendants grew and grew in number in Egypt over the next 400 years. The exact number is unclear in the histories, but but millions. But that loving and sovereign God. He had not given his covenant to Egypt or established his people to be slaves. So he passed his covenant, the hope of the promise, the flame of the prophecy on to another whose life would again point to that man that would be more than a man, the hero that was to come. This flame bearer was called Moses. He led the Israelites out of Egypt, an epic story in its own right that I'll tell you another time. But this man called Moses was not just a great leader. He was also called a prophet, one who hears a message from God and passes it on. And here is what he prophesied. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. He's saying don't forget don't forget the hope of the promise. Don't forget that we are all, what we're all groaning for and longing for will come to pass. Our loving and sovereign God has a plan. He has made a covenant with us. Don't forget, there will be one after me who will surpass me. Listen to him. This prophet called Moses... Passed the flame of the prophecy on to all of Israel. And I wish I could say that in this moment, the darkness was overcome, but it wasn't. These prophecies were only shadows, whispers of the real thing. They weren't enough. The serpent could not be defeated until they were actually fulfilled. And so... In many many minor stories that I don't have time to tell you today, the history and the condition of humankind, our ancient grandparents, unfolded. There were triumphs and there were devastating defeats. Periods of desperation where it seemed darkness had already won. And periods of joy and fulfillment where it seemed God's plan was just about to be completed. In one of those times where things were good, we learn of another flame-bearer, another prophet who was also a king that God passed his covenant on to. He was called David. And while he had some major issues, he had a heart that always led him back to God in this promise. Like the other prophets and flame-bearers, his life would point to the one this story and every other story is really about. God said to this David, when your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build my, a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will, take, I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who is before you? but I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. The one I'm sending will fix things for good. It won't be like the others I've sent along the way. It'll be forever. Well, many many prophets came after David, all passing on the hope of the promise, the flame of the prophecy. The covenant. They were given a name for the one who would come, the the Messiah. And the people of Israel began to put their hope in this one called uh, the Messiah. But the story we're telling is not a quick one. It's not an easy one either. Centuries passed as the prophets came and went in the line of Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. Their stories recorded faithfully, minor stories that like streams and creeks joined up into rivers that led to the ocean that is this big story we're telling today. And their prophecies in the same way joined up together like brush strokes from an artist to form a full picture of the one who is to come. David said he would teach in parables. 700 years before he would appear, one called Isaiah prophesied that he would be miraculously born of a virgin, do ministry in Galilee, and perform miracles. And at the same time, a flame bearer called Micah foretold that this Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. 600 years before the Messiah, Jeremiah said he would be wise and he would be gracious. 550 years before his coming, one called Daniel said the Messiah would appear after Jerusalem was rebuilt, but that Jerusalem would be destroyed again after he appeared. Still 500 years out, Zechariah said this Messiah would enter Jerusalem on a donkey, a strange and specific prophecy to be sure. He also said that this Messiah would be pierced or stabbed. 400 years before the one who would crush the serpent's head appeared, a prophet called Malachi said there would be a messenger before him to prepare the way. You know him as John the Baptizer. And this is just a small sampling, a drop in the bucket. There are hundreds more, but the flame kept being passed on in the darkness. And with each passing, with each new prophecy, the earth groaned for an answer to sin even more. And mankind longed even more for a hero To defeat that serpent from thousands of years before. Someone to light up the darkness once and for all. And then there was deep and piercing prophetic silence for 400 years. As if our loving and sovereign God had said enough. Like the silence just before the show starts, like the quiet that comes on a crowd when a dignitary or an honored king is announced, like the hush as everyone turns and waits for the bride to appear. And into this silence, he came. The promised one appeared. He entered human history. The countdown of B.C. got to zero, and there was this new beginning. And you won't believe who he came to. It wouldn't have been your choice or mine. But that's part of the story for next time. What I've given you is just one vantage point that of the prophets, the flame bearers, the carriers of the hope of the promise. They didn't get to see it fulfilled. They didn't get to lay eyes on the Messiah. There's more to this story. Part of my role as the storyteller is not just to tell you the story, but to help you understand it as well. So think about this. Our story began at the very beginning, right? The very, very beginning. That's why the famous storyteller Luke said in his vantage point, or did a bunch of research in his vantage point to, to understand what the genealogy of the Messiah was. It was his way of tying everything back to the very Beginning, because as everyone knows, every good story starts in the beginning, right? What did Luke say? He said the Messiah would be the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of who was it again? Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph. The son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum. I didn't say that Luke was a particularly entertaining storyteller. Just that <laughs> he gave us the names and the genealogy that gets us back to the end. So let me skip some names here and get to some names that you'll recognize from our story, the prophet's vantage point today. The son of Matatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse. Let me skip some more. The son of... Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, and some more. The son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxadad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah. And then finally, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. I love stories because good stories teach us something, but the best stories, they change us. It's all connected. Every other story connected to this story, like streams and rivers connected to the ocean. Every other story feeding into this story. It's bigger than just one moment, one time, one life, much bigger. And listen, it still is. It still is. It's bigger than one life. It's bigger than just you. It's bigger than just here. It's bigger than just now. That's what the vantage point of the prophets teaches us. Here's the takeaway. God keeps his promises. But he plays the long game. So be patient. Now, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening in your life right now, but it is difficult to get the right vantage point on things, isn't it? It's so difficult, difficult to trust, difficult to wait, difficult to keep from just focusing on here and now and to look at all that God has accomplished in our lives to get us here and then to trust him to do everything he he needs to do in order to accomplish what is supposed to be accomplished in the future. It's difficult to do this. But God keeps his promises. He's proven that. He just plays the long game. These prophecies about the Messiah, they took some thousands of years to actually be fulfilled. And now we wait again for Christ's return. You can't think that this is going to happen quickly. You have to have patience. Patience if you're going to see the promise fulfilled in your life. Perseverance, patience, long-suffering, endurance. These are the characteristics that you'll have to have. So, what are you waiting on God to do in your life? What promises has he given you? What are you struggling to hold on to, to wait for? What have you maybe given up on too soon? God has already begun writing your story as a part of his story, as a piece of the story. The question is, Will you trust him to finish it? This story is not over. A story as epic as this one takes more than one telling to convey, more than one vantage point to fully understand. So I'll be back next time for the next vantage point.